welcome to Cryptic Chronicles, a show dedicated to exploring all the unexplained mysteries of existence in this ineffable universe we call home, as well as anything weird, dark, or cryptic in the world. Today on the show, I got a special treat for you, listener. I'm joining Aquarian Radio, a radio show revolving all about the stranger things concerning the mysteries of the universe, the UFO phenomenon, and the general unexplained or metaphysical in general. Host Dr. Sasha and Janet Lesson and I go into the Anunnaki, as well as lore surrounding a federation of allied Lyran alien races, which is pretty fascinating. I've covered the Starseed lore before in the past, so it shouldn't be too unfamiliar, but they seem to know a lot more than I do. On Aquarian Radio, they discuss ancient aliens, Anunnaki obviously, extraterrestrials in general, conspiracies, metaphysics, and of course spirituality. It was a real treat to join them, and let's just hop right into it, shall we? So buckle up because it's time to get weird. I'm your host, Tim Hacker, and you're listening to Cryptic Chronicles. and welcome to the Korean Radio Network and I'm uh, Janet Kira Lesson. I'm here with my co-host Dr. Sasha Alex Lesson and we are with Cryptic Chronicles Tim Hacker and we are doing a simulcast of our two shows and we're going to do a series of these and we're discussing about all the anomalies in the universe and the history of uh, ufology and extraterrestrials and cryptoids and, and paranormal and everything in between how we hope to unravel some of the mysteries of creation and bring these to you in this and other future shows. So thank you very much and aloha and welcome, Tim. I'm happy to be here. Welcome, Sasha. Aloha. Dr. Lesson, he's uh, got about an hour before his uh, he's teaching today. So, and he's an expert on the Anunnaki. Would ah. you like to start with the Anunnaki today and you want to ask him some questions? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, take it away, Tim. So, like, I've been doing oh. uh, many, many hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of research on Nephilim lore, spanning across all the myth and legends of the ancient cultures throughout all history. And I haven't really gotten to the Anunnaki stuff in particular, but I am very familiar with it based off of Zachariah Sitchin's work, though I know that his work is not the most reliable. Well... Uh, I, I would like to say his work is very reliable. We studied with him personally, both of us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 19- I'm not saying that is, it's... What I mean by that is the religious context that he puts into it kind of skews into a somewhat of a bias. But other than that bias, it's pretty legit. Uh, yeah, well, for, for um, Zachariah, the Nephilim, ultimately, uh, were the Ajiji, uh, who had... Uh, been on the basin in Mars, uh, operating the shuttlecraft, 
taking the gold to Earth and then on off to, off to Mars, and they came down. Uh, and they, uh, after Marduk uh, married Sarpanit, and he was banished to Egypt with her, uh, these guys uh, took over uh, the landing platform at Baalbek. They, they uh, abducted or ran off with, however you want to think about it, uh, 200 or so of the most uh, Adamite uh, uh, women, earthling women, uh, that were there. And they settled in Canaan, and Marduk uh, backed them. That's uh, uh, Satan in, in uh, later times, but it's Marduk backed them and said, "Hey, you know they've got they've got the guns on you. Just let them have their wives." Uh, uh, and they started the uh, lineages in Canaan, which ultimately became the Philistines and and so forth. And so that in Sitchin's um, in, in the conflation that uh, Sitchin uh, postulates, that's who he thinks the Nephilim are. Yes, he calls the Anunnaki all as a whole the Nephilim for the most part. Well, he uh, he, he he made a, uh, a a big distinction between the Anunnaki lords uh, yeah. and uh, the ones the the, you know, the 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 royalty and, and the and the regular guys. Uh, so, the what do you think about the often. the two factions between Enlil and uh, and uh, Enki? No. No, the the royals in in the Anunnaki, um, even back on their homeworld, they had royals and they had different castes and classes. The workers that came down and and ran the transshipment station on Mars were not royals, or at least they weren't as high no, no, royals. No, they they weren't at all. They uh, they well, they were led by a, a lord, Lord Anzu, who then led this re an early rebellion uh, invasion. Uh, of the Martian, the uh, Anunnaki on Mars, and this was uh, beaten back by um, Ninurta, uh, and uh, and Enlil took charge. So that he gave Marduk or who the job of taking uh, Anzu's body back to Mars base and hanging it in the public square so everybody could see what would happen if you um, messed with Yahweh with Enlil because he, he this is and this is this was my commander Mars. And now I'm sending Marduk uh, with a body, and it's a warning to Marduk too, who is the legitimate claimant in his own mind, uh, and by treaty too, actually, to the throne of Nibiru. Yeah, and the constellation, the astrological signs pointed towards his rise to power as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, and every everything, not just that, but the, but uh, and Lil had a a, a vision. For, uh, he said of Galzu, who's sort of the representative of the uh, Federation, or of, of uh, uh, perhaps the uh, creator of all, saying, uh, "You know, this is what's coming down. Marduk's going to take his turn." And uh, and uh, well, Yahweh Enlil did not want to hear that. He didn't tell anybody about it until it came true. And then after the uh, nuking of Sodom and Gomorrah and and Sinai, he he got together with Enki and he said, "You know what?" Galzu gave me this vision, said this is what was going to come down. And yeah, it's it was, you know, fated and destined by, by uh, like you say, astrologically. Yeah, absolutely. And um, why do you think that they decided to nuke the Near East to try and take out Marduk? Well, well, besides, well, like, even well, though all these signs really, were pointing towards his rise to power. The, what was happening was uh, it, there, were, there were several bones of contention. Uh, one of which the deal on Canaan, uh, where um, Seth had been uh, uh, 
uh, exiled after he was he was defeated by Horus. Uh, uh, was uh, that's where the settlements of Ham uh, were, and these these were these the descendants of Ham were supposed to uh, not be there. And then when they have this this uh, Enkiite uh, chief there, they're, so they're closing in from all different directions. The cities of uh, Canaan uh, went over to Marduk. They were they they were they uh, and away from Enlil, and that's what Abraham. Uh, and uh, and Lot found out when they went to spy, and so uh, closing in from Canaan's side, there's uh, Nabu, that's um, uh, Marduk's son, and he's got he's turned the cities. There's Sin, you know. That's Tehuti, right? On the, pardon? That's Tehuti, the, right? Yeah, the, yeah. On the other side, uh, I'm not I'm not relating on Tehuti right now. Somehow that. Uh, I don't have that name, but go ahead, continue uh, the story. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, I could Thoth. go back into it. Thoth is Naboo. No, no, absolutely not. No, no? Thoth absolutely stays out, stays out of war. That's not Thoth at all. No, oh. no, no, no. Nabu, Nabu, Nabu is the son of uh, uh, the prophet uh, of the prophet of Nabu uh, of of Marduk. So his name is Nabu, and he lived in in Wait, Nabu Got is it. the son of. Marduk. Oh, that's Marduk's son, Nabu. Okay, great. And okay. so that's so so that the aiming. Uh, so when they decide, and and Nergalb bombed the uh, bottom, the south end of the Salt Sea, which became the Dead Sea, and the waters rushed over uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and Zoar, washed them away. Um, and uh, so that was, but he that was to get Nabu, but he escaped to his place, the island of Bosphorus, and he escaped. Uh, and uh, so, but what happened, and, and also uh, Enlil sent, uh, the main thing was uh, Marduk's armies were coming up from Egypt, and they were going to take the Sinai, and that's where the Utu had the controls for the getting on and off Earth, the main spaceport that Toth had built uh, out there in the Sinai. It was a beautiful place, totally different than what it is now. And Ninerja bombed that, totally obliterated of the spaceport, that what happened is that the radioactive fallout from all from all this nuking combined these two great big nukings, and it started this radioactive storm that then blew over Iraq and Kuwait and killed off all the uh, uh, Earthlings in in the Sumer, basically, except for Marduk, yep. uh, who had his place in Babylon, and he had he had. Uh, fallout shelters. His people were okay. Uh, Anki's uh, people in the area of Eridu, Basra, they had fallout shelters. They were okay. But all the humans died. Bao, who's Ninerda's wife, stayed and died with them in her clinic. They were just dying in the streets. Most of the, the Anunnaki all just got in their planes and boats and, and got, got out of there. Uh, but the people died. And they, so then Enlil and Anki got together. And, and that's when Enlil said, uh, to Anki, you know that that's how it is. Uh, 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 I had this vision, and um, I, it's true. <laughs> this is what happened. But I'm going <laughs> to save my uh, people. Uh, I'm, I got Abraham to get out of there, and uh, I, I'm going to build something yet. Anyway, so this, the story goes on. But that's why they were they they were in imminent danger of losing the spaceport. But Enlil had prepared. An alternate spaceport at Tiwanaku, uh, with the uh, run, great big runway uh, down Nazca, 
and uh, uh, Ninerta and, and Toth had uh, just built this beautiful uh, place up there. And so he was all set. That's where they actually had Anu come and visit. And Anu came and visited and said, hey, you know, we're going to have to leave this place, teach the humans as much as they can to uh, to make it on their own. But we got the goal we need. Let's get the hell out of here. That's the end too. That's the climax. Can we back? Can like uh, well, we re- rewind a little bit and like sure. kind of explain how that all went down? Well, we could start. We could start when when the Lyrans uh, fled oh, the Dracos. That's, <laughs> that's like We're, the farthest they, back. They were, uh, yeah, the Lyrans and the, the Draco beginning of time thing. Oh, but anyway, if you want to stay in the Anunnaki story. Where do you want to want to rewind to? <laughs> so basically, I think that that story really comes to be relevant concerning Earth when their atmosphere is starting to decline, obviously. And then the factions are um, Anu takes over as king and uh, Apsu is kicked out and he goes off, you know, and nukes the whatever I think is Tiamat the planet and like creates the asteroid belt. And then when he gets through that, he finds Earth and he finds gold. And then that's when the story really starts. Uh, At least for Earth. Well, the asteroid belt was already, the asteroid belt was there from a fire or whatever because we have a ongoing history of catastrophic events in our solar system. So oh, when yeah. the asteroid the original there's yeah, so they just encountered it. They had to navigate through it. So Well he was uh, he was blasting of, it, I guess. He was just blasting all, to get through yeah, it. Yeah, he allowed it through and then when Anki came through he used water because he's known as Aquarius you know the water yeah. there so go ahead what did you want to say Sasha I took over the mic well yeah, go ahead. Did, uh, first of all yeah, you did well relating the events that <laughs> you got that's really nice to hear hear that um, you got the story uh, and uh, so yeah a lot of it does come back to the dynastic uh, problems on earth come back to this big dynastic thing that was going on where uh, the atmosphere uh, was degrading the uh, king didn't do anything a prince rebelled and, and killed him and said I'm king now and the guy who was pretender is supposed to be next said no you're not I am and they made a deal that uh, the king's the, the killer's uh, daughter would marry Alalu okay. would, would um marry his daughter uh, to uh, the pretender Anu's uh, son Enki and their kid the first male they had would be the successor to Alalu as king and in the meantime uh, Anu would be cupbearer and honor uh, for <laughs> Alalu and, uh, and, uh, and of course after a while Alalu overthrew uh, uh, was overthrown by Anu and Alalu fled uh, to Earth, and after a while, um, Enki and Enlil, everybody winds up there, including Marduk, and uh, Anu said, I'm not going to uh, uh, ever let this kid uh, rule. I don't give a day. You know, I, uh, I signed the treaty under duress, and it's va- invalid, and I'm the king now, and Marduk, you know, go go take Anzu's body to Mars, and uh, uh, let it impress you, too, because I'm the king. Get it? Get it, kid? Okay, so that's 
That's that's the inner dynamic that, that has, has gone on for a long time. Even in recent times, when Marduk was called back, Anu said he was going to abdicate. And uh, Marduk, uh, and he let everybody, including Marduk and his, his 200 uh, followers, come back to uh, Nibiru to help him choose his successor. And, and the first thing he said to Marduk, well, bow to the king. And Marduk said, no, I'm the king. You bow to me. <laughs> And Anu said, go back to Earth. Uh, we don't want you here. <laughs> anyway, so they, this thing is, it has gone on for a long time. Now, hopefully, it's over. Right. The royals have been fighting for millions and millions of years. They have their battles with each other. But what about the... Back to Nibiru. Because on, they were, you know... There were there were more uh, women than there were men, so that's how they started, um, you know, making decisions. Who, which child is from the firstborn wife of the the king, and they got to mate the highest royal on the other side, and yada yada yada. Well, the deepest malaise that uh, comes to us from the Anunnaki is they already they had had a thermonuclear war that had almost killed everybody, and uh, they uh, came out with a a, a an attitude which we call dominator consciousness the strongest uh, man rules everybody and you're always competing for status and women are always inferior to men and men make the rules and boss things around and that's the attitudes everybody competes for everybody the ones on top are on top the ones on the bottom are on the bottom and you know sort of caste systems and a, a, a military dictatorship and that's their model and that's hard to shake right into every society right down to the present yeah totally so what about uh what exactly was the reason why they created humans or altered the humanoid that was already on oh, earth yeah Oh, okay. So, uh, what, what they, uh, we can go to deep motives. I wanted one of them was the guy that was in charge of mining. That's Enki. Uh, knew that Nibiru was one day going to be not habitable. He couldn't stand the uh, this hyper competitiveness and lack of compassion uh, of the people, uh, and uh, he hoped that somehow on this new planet, because uh, these guys lived for a long time, he and the other Nibirans could come to Earth and there would be a civilization there. And he was struck in his studies of uh, by Homo erectus, which was uh, telepathically uh, uh, communicating, letting animals out of its traps. and. Uh, I was very, very smart. This is the ancestor of big, of modern Bigfoot, essentially. It could even phase shift just to a degree. But in any case, he was fascinated by that. And in the meantime, in the mines, he was supposed to be mining the mines. The miners who were volunteers from Nibiru were, uh, were uh, uh, having a very terrible time. They thought they were going to be heroes, and they were decades underneath the earth with all kinds of equipment and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, they didn't get enough beer and they didn't have any girls and they were uh, at the verge of mutiny. And so Yankee <laughs> seized on this as an opportunity. He said, withhold the gold until the boss, uh, Yahweh, Enlil, comes down here. Uh, and uh, the, and then we'll, I, uh, it'll look like a, a, uh, something terrible is going to happen. You know, I'll save the day. I got some something up my sleeve. 
And so they withheld the gold. The, uh, the, the person in Nerita, the champion, came down, and then the boss, came, uh, Yahweh Enlil, came down. The miners surrounded his uh, uh, cabin where he was, and the, uh, Nerita had his weapons. These these guys with their burning their weapons, their, their uh, shovels, and their their electric whatever they were there, drilling things. Uh, they were no weapons against Ninurta. But anyway, Enki steps right in and says, hey, wait, you don't have to do this. I got a solution for everybody. Send these guys home. They are working. They really need to go home. Uh, I, and uh, I I found my uh, this uh, creature. It's a humanoid uh, from the old days that's here. And uh, it's compatible. My son says his genome is compatible. We'll use some of his genes. We'll make uh, helpers. Uh, and Ninurta said, helpers, nonsense. You know, slavery is against the rule. You, we, that's against the rules. You can't do slavery. Make machines, smarty. Uh, shut up. Uh, 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 listen, <laughs> uh, let's call Let's tell, call dad. So they talk on the comm to dad. And he said, he says, hey, you, go ahead and do it. Make, uh, make, make, some, make some people that are going to uh, obey and send these guys home. Uh, and, but Enlil says, but, but Dad, okay, well, just make it clones, okay? Clones, we agree to clones. Yeah, just clones. They won't be breedable. Okay, so that's the deal. And sure enough, he made some good ones, but they made him breedable. <laughs> he cheated. And they really were great miners, and they didn't just dig with shovels and stuff. They 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 used you know mining equipment. We know from uh, when some of these people, uh, we have depictions in stone of these people using some kind of tools. Well, the women were just tired of being pregnant with these hybrid children all the time, so that's why they made them breedable. Well, it wasn't just that. It was also a matter of the uh, the, the mechanics of uh, doing work. The royals don't like to do work. Right. And uh, Enki was, it did indeed make machines. They go miles and miles and miles into the earth. But he, the, they were go, these guys were going after these veins of gold, and they were using advanced equipment all over the south of Africa, southeast of Africa. Yeah, but there was more than one type of human. 
Oh, there were many types of human. If you that's if we went back a little bit further, you know, like we say before the Anunnaki got here, got to Earth, they only came four hundred fifty thousand years ago. But way before that, uh, uh, there were humans all over uh, the Earth. Uh, in different areas, they had a different extraterrestrial uh, sponsors. After the uh, Treaty of Hatona. Uh, in the Andromeda group, they just they uh, they decided they would make a pro proto-human base that the ge geneticists of uh, uh, these different uh, regions would then adapt and uh, see what they could do to perfect. And twelve humanoid groups and one a reptoid group that lived on Earth contributed. And the reptides gave us our brainstem, you know, fight or flight, take care of the, uh, you know, and, and different uh, species contributed different parts. And so one of the brilliant uh, creatures they made was Homo erectus, but there were humans all over. And ultimately, the uh, the Federation counterattacked. They brought the Maldekans who had uh, sheltered underneath uh, with the Martians. Uh, uh, Can you hold up for a sec? The what's, the, what's the Federation? I don't think my listeners have any clue about what that is. Okay, well, well, we go back a long time ago. There were these human beings, basically human beings that lived in the Lyran group. And uh, people from another uh, star system, uh, Draco, reptilians, uh, came and started a war with them. And they scattered and ran all over uh, this uh part of the uh, this quadrant of the galaxy uh, and uh, some of them went to the Pleiades and some of them went to Sirius uh, and the ancestors of, of, of the Nibirians came, went to the Sirius group some of them went to the Pleiades then back to the Sirius group but a lot they scattered all over and the and the Dracos the reptilians pursued them they blew up the planet Maldek which was between uh, Jupiter and Mars and that became the Cooper uh, uh, asteroids uh, they sucked off as their uh, death comet, as it were, uh, past Mars. It sucked off most of Mars's surface uh, waters and airs as it went past Earth. It sucked off the uh, water vapor in which Earth was covered, and it came to the position of the planet Venus. And the Dracos came out from under, and they built seven domed cities. And from that, they put the moon in place, our Luna. And from that, they settled Demuria, which was one of the two continents that they had raised as they went past it. The, the uh, Lyrans, in the meantime, counterattacked. They uh, took the Atlanteans from the Pleiades group and landed them on the other uh, uh, Atlantis. And the Dracos had already been all over Earth by now, and they had brought their food with them, which was the dinosaurs. And uh, the Atlanteans just killed the dinosaurs. And there was this huge war between the Dracos uh, and the Atlanteans. And the Federation landed uh, more Atlanteans in Southeast Asia. They cleared the uh, Dracos off of Venus and, and out of Luna. And uh, they basically uh, uh, settled the Earth. And uh, that's the background. Yes, but who's the Federation exactly? Is this the union of all of these scattered races? It's the yes, the union. Well, it's not only uh, humanoids because there are reptilians in this, and there are uh, reptilian groups which are allied with uh, the Federation, uh, which is dedicated uh, to uh, peace and uh, and, and uh, unitary peace, uh, uh, peace and uh, no 
nukes because that spoils their ability to travel. Uh, no nukes in space. They have a, a set of rules and no messing with the with the time space. Uh, but everybody does. You know, have all the rules just like any other government get broken. <laughs> uh, uh, everybody does. I, I've been to some Federation meetings as an experiencer contactee, and it's very diverse. So they have there's so many species. Star Wars can't even track them all. <laughs> but it's it's kind of like Star Wars and Star Trek and. Well, there's hundreds and thousands and millions of different species. And then, of course, there are, you know, the universe is full. Life is everywhere. But mainly the ones that, uh, the meetings I go to, they are, um, you know, sentient conscious beings. They tend to be the ones with, the, you know, some kind of face, some kind of arms, some kind of legs, or, you know, they tend to be. Um, they group us. Well, what they told me is, yeah, there's there's species that I would be afraid of. So they try not to make you afraid. And there's something about a, a, a primal fight or flight that, that you, you get afraid. You know, Whitney Stryber talked about it, and and uh, that's your knee jerk reaction. So you don't take spiders. Uh, there are some. I tell. <laughs> I was talking to what was that our guest? Oh, I had the guest on Friday. She went to a meeting. The the head of uh, the meeting was a large spider with a human head it had a human head so of course they manipulate genetics and they create creatures that are you know just like we have minotaurs and centaurs and um those type of things uh, they exist in the universe because no one owns their dna is what they say and um it's like the um colors on a artist palette and people can mix and match and have uh, phosphorescent cats and Low green and whatever, and I've seen I've seen cats that are blue and purple and I mean very bright colors. I've been I've spent uh, a week one time and I was I, I come back and I say honey there's these cats and they're like really bright colored and they're absolutely gorgeous. But it's like I kept, I, I Captain Richard saw this 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 oh, yeah. one that was pink that saved his life and sent his ship back. Yeah, there's a there's a cat species that bipedal with arms and uh, but then you have your cats that you know like my cat that hugs my feet at night. So we have <laughs> all kinds of variations on the things. So when you have these experiences, is it a visionary experience? Is it out of body or are you literally abducted? Uh, I've had all the above. It, it's hard to tell when you're there if you're in your astral body or your real body, uh, but they uh, periodically give me um, indications of what's going on. But that we get all bogged down in the details. All everything is as real as everything else, right? So um, we have meetings where we go there. I guess in our astral form, like Thoth talks about in the um, Emerald Tablets of Thoth and or Toth. And anyway, we can travel in our astral body and then assemble something for our convenience. We can make it into like the Colosseum or our beautiful wooded environment or a high-tech uh, glossy environment. I was once in a meeting with uh, 100,000 beings and uh, it was a huge Colosseum that went up as far as the eye could see. And uh, well, the, the beings that wanted to speak and be recognized by the whole group would send would project an avatar down and to the arena below so you can see its physical avatar but then the people sitting in the seat 
could see the face off of you individually. So you had a choice to watch the scene down below or to pay attention to the um, individual avatar that was actually covering right in front of your face. And it wasn't a screen, it was just like a projection. It was a whole Yeah, a you, get a, you get that in Chevrolet. Right, <laughs> now you can, no you don't. Yes, you can, right right out in front, like it's just sitting like there. Like a hologram, yeah, so they use a lot of holographic. <laughs> so you don't, you don't know where, if, it, if you're there or, or your hologram or your spiritual self or your astral self, it, that get bogged out, or even semantic, it doesn't matter, you're there. So you're just kind of wake up there? sometimes I come back and I, well, it's, it's like, uh, you're thinking that the, the, the life is solid, right? It's just, you're thinking no, it's, it's not solid, down, right? You're there. It's not solid, yeah. So you're there. If you want to be there, you're there. That's the level that uh, God or the dolls do travel, or the Q. You know, Q. Q just pops up on the Enterprise. He's there. He doesn't have to get into a ship and drive for, you know, 20 millennia. He's just there. That's, we all, each individually and collectively, have that ability. But we've agreed to go unconscious into the matrix, into this holodeck, and believe what we're perceiving as real. So, Yes, it's real. It's all real. And we can make it solid real, so we knock on the table, or we could, you know, put our hand through the table. My mentor likes matter. to call That's... it the dark sea. Say it again? My mentor likes to call it the dark sea. All of existence. Well, yeah, and so when you get to that level of, of the... That, that's what happened with the Anunnaki. They were they go through the amnesia to a degree and they they have a greater awareness than human beings do, of course. We're like chickens in a pen. A chickens in a pen think that's all that there is, is, is your pen, right? <laughs> then you go out to the yard. So we're we're just in that level. You know, we're in so, this planet and we're stuff limited, we're quarantined here and we don't get to do much of anything. But some of Yeah, us we are quarantined, are aren't we? I've come across that floor before. Yeah, that's the way they they describe it but some are working in the secret space program uh some are like uh, uh, astral travelers i i've been an astral traveler all my life and uh when i met dr lesson we started doing more like regressions and shamanic work and and i i activated my ability to travel like both like Nagashita, who was describing to his dad you know like hey we're not limited to flying around in spacecraft. We can just go there. I'm a so big fan of Thoth. Thoth is a is a, Sorry, you a can call him whatever. That's just the way I say it. Because when I was a little kid, yeah. that's how I said it. And it just kind of stuck with me. You said, you, you, you said how again? Thoth. Thoth. No, Thoth. 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 Yeah, okay. So I'm not sure there's no like, this is how you say it, right? Well, yeah, because his Egyptian name is Tehuti. So, I mean, Thoth is his Greek name. If if you're going straight to... Go on. When you list, then you get a Thoth. Thoth or Thoth. My my, uh, (laughs) sister married a John Toth, so I'm trying to steer away from his name, Toth. But it's interesting that my my sister, years ago, before I even heard about Thoth uh, or Toth, Married a guy named T O T H, and I wondered That's how awesome. his family got that last name. Are they descendants? But he's no longer with us. He's deceased. So can't ask him. But anyway, and he's also Negashita and different names. That's what they did in different cultures. Kukuklan, yeah, Kukuklan, and Quetzalcoatl. 
It's got a bunch of names, a whole ton of names. He he is really uh, brilliant. Mercury, Hermes, 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 Hermes Trismegistus. Yeah, he told me. yeah, yeah. I can't even pronounce that. Yeah. So I wanted yes. to I wanted to ask you one more thing, just to rewind a little bit. Um, in these meetings, did you see any race called the Yayel? Does that ring a bell? You know, when we're in these meetings, we're operating on on high telepathy. And, you know, a lot of beings say, well, we don't need to have names, right? We, we, humans need individual names and species names. So we're not doing on names. We're just doing on information and communication. We're not slowing down saying, hi, I'm Janet. I'm an earthling from the planet. You know? what, what about <laughs> Arcturians? Not, what's that? What about Arcturians? I, I think all of the above were there, but we didn't slow it down because we were, we were in universal galactic level communication uh and so we were there for exchange of information one of the Got things it. they had me do was report what it was like to be a human female in the 21st century living on a planet earth so they did ask me to report and they they do they that's what a lot of the um like i'm an ambassador a lot of ambassadors you know we, we've agreed to come and we're kind of on assignment and we're scientists and we're explorers and we're historians and we're just investigating and the best way to investigate a planet is to go down and, and come in through the birth process and become one so a lot of us are ambassadors you know we're here we've agreed on a soul level to come here and so we're here experiencing it so at night i work all the time i'm always somewhere i um don't always bring it back. Sometimes they don't want me to bring it back to my Janet self. So they kind of babble it with screen memories and uh, they overlay, overlay information until when I wake up, it's like, oh, I can't remember it. Sometimes it comes back, it's so clear and it's like a download and I got to get my recorder out or I, at least at least speak it aloud to Sasha. And we uh, try to decipher all the information that I'm receiving. So I'm always getting information always interacting oh i went to one meeting with the dragon and won't go into details but when um i was before the dragon there were uh, at least a thousand beings in the uh it was an underground base with a big open oh there's a lot of those and yeah so i was like plugged in like the cpu of some kind of uh intergalactic operating system computer computer and everything was coming through me and so i was the voice that was deciphering or actually it wasn't the voice i didn't use my voice i was the the mind that was interpreting and sending it back to the individuals that were asking the questions or fascinating information i don't know how i did that but apparently that's my ability as a soul but this uh janet person that i am in this moment has limited capabilities but we we're maybe always, there's a higher self to you that you just don't have full access to with your conscious everyday mind Right. And, and and I couldn't. If I had access to my higher self, I would be an in information overload and I would be dysfunctional on a human level. So you, because the human mind is so limited, they can only feed it so much in time or, you know, burns up and overloads. So we have, we, the, the galactic beings, have to be very careful with communicating with humans. And the humans have been dummied down on purpose so they can experience being human, right? And so... Uh, if we have the whole information, we're not paying attention to the now as a human. So we need to pay attention to, you know, 
talking to your husband or petting your cat or cooking a meal or or even, you know, eliminating fluids from yep. your body. So um, what happened with this Federation encounter with the Anunnaki? There, you said that there was a conflict. Can you explain this first conflict between the Anunnaki and this Federation? Uh, the, uh, they, uh, at, at one point, uh, the uh, Anunnaki were going to leave Earth. When they knew the flood was coming, that uh, the ice sheet was going to, and glaciers the size of Maryland were going to plunk into the South Seas, and great big walls of water would sweep the earth in every direction. They knew that was going to happen. And uh, so they said, well, we got the goal. Let's get, let's get out of here. And, and uh, so Anu sent a bunch of uh, freighters, uh, rockets down and, uh, to get the gold and the people and bring them back. Uh, and uh, off of one of them comes this fellow named Galzu, a distinguished looking guy. And he has this, uh, seal of Anu on this thing and it says this is my plenipotentiary he speaks for me and he talks to uh, en en to Yahweh and Lil and Enki uh, and uh, Lucifer and Lilith uh, yeah, who's Nimma and says listen I see you three have aged uh, you, you, you can't leave earth or you'll die you, know, you just get to circle earth or go to the moon or Mars but stay around until the flood's over It'll be like four months or so, uh, and then you can come back, but don't go back to Nibiru or you're going to die. And uh, and then, uh, uh, so Anlil says, okay, you've got to, if any of you Anunnaki say one word of this to the earthlings about the flood coming, you're dead. I'm going to kill you personally. Uh, and so Galzu gives Enki uh, the, a computer program, which Enki puts into uh, uh, the 
wall of Noah, Zeusudra, and, and he said, uh, he says, Zeusudra, I ain't talking to you. I'm just talking to this wall, and it's uh, it, it's got some information. You do what it says, and I'm going to send my son Ninigal to to help you assemble uh, and guide this uh, submersible. Uh, but don't you just you know, I'm not talking to you. I'm just talking to your wall. Bullshit. But anyway, that's what the, that's what the, uh, what it says, and uh, and so uh, so that's there. He intervenes to make sure that the that was that and when it's all over and, and they decide they're going to repopulate the earth with the sons of Noah. Uh, uh, there it is. That that's when uh, uh, everybody realizes, oh gosh, we have been manipulated. Uh, well, we got to do it. We need to. We have to do the work ourselves. And they only later find out oh, when Anu visits them. Oh, we could have. That's bullshit. There's. I didn't have. I didn't have any emissary, and we we can certainly cure the aging now. We've got the science to do it. Uh, he just he just lied to keep you there. And then that's when Anlil says, you know what? He he gave kept coming to you in a, in a vision and said that blasted Marduk was going to get charge of the earth. Wow, we've been interfered with. He must represent the uh, this. Uh, Federation and Lila says, maybe so, but he represents the creator of all. We are meant to help these people, to give them. The, and Anu says, yeah, give give them all the tools of civilization, but mostly give them some spiritual tools and stop interfering with them. But he left, but Marduk stayed and kept interfering and so forth. Yeah, that was some crazy stuff. But who is this Galzu exactly? You say that he's the prophet of the the creator of all. He's uh, he's uh, they don't quite know. He's like he he uh, they've decided he's in all probability he's a representative of uh, the federation of Lyrans who uh, seek a peaceful uh, universe and. Uh, and it's concerned that time not be fiddled with, that we not be invaded by extra galactic uh, uh, forces, and that we somehow make peace with the reptilians. Yeah, it's it's, it's like a, a being that has the awareness of the entire continuum. The high le- highest level beings do not go through this veil of forgiveness. In fact, most beings have their awareness of who they were before they incarnated into the current incarnation. But this is a high-level awareness, uh, probably like right up against a uh, source, you know, like a source-level being, um, the first-level kind of subparsing from form or all there is, the universal consciousness, the creator of all oneness. So it's in, in that immediate circle, and then they they can come down through the dimensions, and it's like the Christic consciousness. Although I'm not sure where that Christic consciousness is, if it's up uh, right against source or if it's even a lower dimension. We haven't quite uh, figured all that out, but it, it's a very high, the Galzu, and he's like the Q, very high level being, but instead of Q being mischievous and kind of a bad person, these, these uh, when you're at the highest level, you feel everything, so you couldn't possibly hurt something because it's all, it's like trying to take out your own eyeball, right? I mean, I guess you could take your eyeball out, but they, you, you don't hurt anything because you feel them, you feel everything that Everybody else feels you, you're you're still connected. So uh, they decided to have an experiment and send beings down into the deepest level of creation. And so we were in, encapsulated into skin. Skin is thick, 
and so we're thick-skinned, we can't quite feel the other person because we have this layer of separation, a molecular and vibratory separation. So we could have this grand experience of self and the parent other. So we think that, you know, I think that Sasha's not me, but really we're all, we're all one being having one continuous life in all these different forms. But down here, we're in the, the purpose, it was done on purpose, the illusion that we are separate beings. So we can have the experiment in consciousness that we, one of the things they wanted to experiment with was can we, can we we uh, hurt each other? Can we harm each other? Can we kill each other? What what happens when you have the dichotomy of good and light? You know, good and bad, light and dark. You know, or evil. What happens? So, what happened is we can nuke each other. <laughs> so hmm. now they're trying to. How can we? Now that we're in the deepest, darkest level of creation, how can we feel our oneness while we're incarnated in a uh, skin encapsulated self sense? And so, do, can we bring heaven to earth, so to speak? Can we love our neighbors as ourselves? Can we really feel unique consciousness? And that's why, that's one of the reasons why I got involved in Tantra. Because in Tantra, you can awaken your Kundalini and clear your chakras and, and connect with another person, even though you're in two separate forms, and merge into unity consciousness and feel your oneness. And so um, that's part of my spiritual practice, my Tantra practice. That's fascinating. We're yep. in a, a, um, so it's more than soulmate. We're in a uh, twin flame type connection, unity consciousness. So when you're in that type of relationship, you, you could never you could never cheat on your spouse or, or lie to them because everything you do, you consider the other person as if it's yourself, right? So we're in a, we're in this system, two person system, that everything we do is in support of each other. I guess we're in a five-person system because we take our cats. And, <laughs> <laughs> we take our cats considerations, so we have interspecies relationships. Yeah. So, what exactly happened people, to make Earth quarantined? Well, the story that I got from Errol the Gray, who was the Gray that they interviewed at Roswell, and she didn't—they did kill her. She just was done with her mission and she left, and they thought they had killed her, but. She just at one time got tired of all the questions and she just left. But anyway, she was explaining, there's a whole series called Alien Interviews by Lawrence Spencer and somebody took the book and made it into a series, of, but he left it. He said, I don't care. I just want to get the information out there. It's not about me selling books. Um, and so what, she, what they said, the Greys came here millions of years ago and they discovered that this was kind of like a penal colony. This whole part of the the galaxy is is a place where everything's. So I guess there Why was like a virtual reality, a virtual reality game set up in this part of the universe, in, the, in this part of the Milky Way, in this part of the galaxy, and it's an experiment in consciousness. But the, the way they perceived it, it was a prison planet, and the people, the, the beings, the souls that were, you know, criminals or not even just the maybe they. They spoke up against whatever. These were the the rebels. The rebels all got sent here. So they came down in 3D form to explore this part, and they, they came to the Earth, and they sent their um, greys into, what was it, the Dogon? And where were they, in China or Tibet or something? Anyway, about a, about the a thousand The Dogon tribe years. is in Africa. Okay, no, it was, it was the one that was in Tibet. I can make up their name. Anyway, they were in Tibet or China with the 
right in the area somewhere in the mountains, and they got killed about a thousand years ago or something. And then they got caught in the cycle of life, death, rebirth. So they're part of the human soul system coming in and incarnating. And they didn't know how to rescue them. Because the Dropa. The Dropa, not the Dogon, the Dropa. Okay. But there is a Dogon tribe in Africa where they were visited by aliens called the Nomos. Right. The aquatics. That's different. So these are these are actually gray alien souls trapped in this human system of, of reincarnation. They're trying to get them out. So they delivered the Roswell. All the, we could never crash an alien craft through telepathic. They know what we're going to do before we even think it. So the, all this technology is being delivered to us. So we take it, the Trojan horse is inside, and we reverse engineer. Why? Because they want us to, get to uh, catch up to help free all the souls from this prison planet system. It's not, it's not working out very well. <laughs> and be a home for their hybrids. And anyway, so that's part of why. And be home for their um, hybrids. Hybrids, <laughs> home for their hybrids. I don't know. You yeah, see, all the these, all these know, species yeah. think they're separate, like the Anunnaki, and then they get, they get entangled with humanity. <laughs> and uh, you that's know, that's the Yayel I was talking about earlier. They're a hybrid. Who? The Yayel. Uh, they're apparently, allegedly, they're supposed to have been the aliens that visited us during the, uh, the Phoenix Lights encounter. Oh, okay. Allegedly, those well, are the, the Yayel. The Phoenix Lights were not extraterrestrial. That was a craft. I mean, it was originally given to us and we reverse engineered it. But that was humans that have alien technology. And um, John Tyler II, he's been on my show a couple times, he piloted one of that's a, That's the interstellar craft. Actually, the TR-3B is uh, tr 3 all those variations—they're they, interstellar. They—they they can time and space travel. They can go across the solar system in an hour. You know, it's like or minutes. I don't—I don't know the, the equation. But he said, "No, that was one of ours." And uh, in the '70s, they took two of them outside the solar system, looking for planets that were inhabitable. That they had ten of them. They were exploring, much like in Star Trek, they can just circle around and they can learn a lot about the they. Uh, potential little planet before they didn't select them. So they went close to these 10, they settled on two. And so we, they've been colonizing that for years. That's why I guess a lot of the Royals don't care if we destroy Earth because they've already got their prime real estate picked out on, on other planets. I always figured that a lot of uh, UFO sightings were actually met like man piloting advanced aircraft. Well, they have a lot of it. They've already they've been interacting with uh, you know all these different species for hundreds of years now, and so uh, they've had different agreements made. And but the, usually the other species are not giving uh, the humans the top their top technology. They of course not. They kind of give them the old model. But we're so smart. That's one of the things that humans are valuable because of our ability to image, to imagine, to take something like we can take the the Roswell craft and say, well, that's nice, but let's put, you know, some wings on there and make it blue. And, you know, they, they add, humans are engineers and architects. We can tweak things with our imagination and improve things. So that's why we're very valuable in the secret space program. And we're actually a commodity that's bought, we're still slaves and we're, we're bought and sold, <laughs> so to speak, in the, um, 
intergalactic market. We're good for sex slaves. Some human, some, uh, uh, we've been kind of, what was that they said that they, they changed the humans so they can mate with other species or some species that they can, so they like other, other species like to have physical sex with humans. So they use humans for sex slaves. Remember Java the Hutt? I guess it was, that was really a depiction of <laughs> poor Princess yeah, Leia. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Here you are, <laughs> Java the Hutt. Gota, gota solo. Oh, 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 oh. oh, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that's all like really fascinating, and I'm I'm always intrigued by all this subject. Do you have an overarching like title for this form of looking at things, this view of existence? Like all I know of it as is the star seeds, like the star seed lore. Well, I, I I don't know. I haven't really put it in the box yet. That's interesting. It's uh, hard yeah, to define. It's hard to define. It's just I'm a nerd, you know. I'm married to a nerd, and we're super geeks. And it's, we sound, you sound like us, and we just research this stuff all. Uh, but I also I'm an experiencer, so sometimes I can, uh, you know, I I hear something and I just put that in the oh bullshit or that's. I, I look at people's hearts and souls and where are you going with this information? Is this kind and loving? Yes, <laughs> and I tend to embrace it. If it's not. Nah, I'm not going to go down that thread. And I'm, I'm really concerned with the conspiracy things that have been hijacked into some uh, political propaganda that's going to take us to a certain agenda. It's like, nah, that's not kind of loving. I like, um, I got involved in this field. I'm 66, so I was 12 years old when Star Trek came and I volunteered to do the, the early monster conferences and Star Trek conferences. And went to, I got involved at a young That's age, awesome. and I think it's because I was uh, contacting since the crib, and I was so excited when they finally had an intelligent alien, and it was the blob, and <laughs> I loved uh, uh, the day the earth stood still. I saw that it reruns, and literally when I would find something like that, I would I would jump up and down during the commercials and scream. My mother didn't know what to do with me. Why is this kid jumping up and down? <laughs> and because it's like I got left on this planet and uh, into the dark abyss and it's like, yes, they're there. It's like I was getting signals from my home planet. Oh, don't feel abandoned. We're with you, we're here with you. Because they, you know, in order for me to stay human, they had to block my memories. I, I'd have all this wonderful contact, and then I'd wake up in the, my human life was like, oh man, I can't tell anybody. I can't do anything about it. There was no. It was back in the sixties, fifties, and sixties. You can talk about this stuff. It wasn't until really, I mean, in, in the in the sixties, we started being able to talk about it as if it was science fiction. But my soul knew. Uh, no, Gene Roddenberry, he, he's talking about what's really going on. And uh, I do that with my soul. So when Roswell started happening, oh, when Betty and Barney's Hills story came out in the 70s, and Eric Von Daniken came through in, in the oh, 60s. Oh, I love him. With, oh, Rod Serving with Derry. And it was just a, you know, I, my heart was sore and tears would come down my eyes. and. It's like, I can't wait. How can we wake up the world? And then I discovered Zechariah Sitchin's 
12th planet. And I, you know, Zachariah wasn't perfect. We hung out with him. He was a little, little old, old Jewish Orthodox. And he had his work, but he was it. He he had open heart surgery when he one of his last uh, presentations. He's here. I had open heart surgery. Yeah, he says, think about it. They they cut me from open. They opened my chest. They opened my heart. And he said he prayed to Enki before he went, because uh, he didn't know if he was going to come out of it. And he yeah. said, uh, please, uh, if, if you spare my life, I will write another book for you, whatever it is. And so he went on to write, what, two or three more books. Uh, he was so dedicated to work. But of course, you know, people skew things through their um their origin uh, oh yeah totally it's called confirmation bias i started reading him like a decade ago probably longer Uh and um i i really love those books a lot but i i don't take all of it as like dogma i mean because especially since he has he tries to wrap his religious view around it and like fit things in that alone is just kind of like gonna make me second guess a lot on you dude but it's kind of John on the island that, that, that wrote Revelations, he was trying to explain nuclear holocaust and we didn't even have the concept. So, <laughs> so Zechariah on it to this time and then he probably yeah. was programming and he didn't have concepts to explain what was, I mean, he was translating this stuff and they're talking about technologies and, and concepts that are way beyond, I mean, they were, he started writing them in the seventies. We were kind of dark back then. We didn't know. Yeah, totally. Time. We still much of anything, so I forgive him. I go, okay, yeah, me too. I forgive him. Best. It's still fantastic. Like it's, I'm, I'm not saying it's not fantastic. It is, and I love him. Yeah, it is. And and like Eric von Daniken, who's still with us, he's kind of evolving with the information. But now we have, we're still we're dealing with an agenda. So, uh, you know, I'm talking to all the you know the super soldiers and people that are whistleblowers and. You know, there's a, there's an overall agenda, and who is still doing it? Is it Marduk? Is it Nanar? Uh, is it uh, Dracos? Somebody has an agenda for this planet, and it's not very light. It's pretty dark, and so I'm, you know, I'm not really privy to that information, but I do get taken to other planets so I can kind of recharge. I, they're doing a lot of repair work, being alive on this Earth right now with all the pollution and all the stress and, uh, you know, COVID. Uh, my protectors are work, working triple overtime to keep me in my body. I never know when I'm going to quote unquote get called home. I don't know. There's a, a lot of us are checking out, but we, this planet's in, in grave danger. Not the planet. I think the planet will be fine, but they, they, a lot of these species, we're now in these grave danger. And uh, I take it that, how old are you, dear? Tim, you're younger than we are. 34. 34, right. So I am so happy that you're studying this and waking up. Um, Dr. Lesson's 80 years old. I'm 66. Come on, kids. Come on, make this happen. I'm hoping uh, you guys, we can all get the cures for physical immortality because the Anunnaki were millions of years in, you know, they didn't die at a thousand or fifty thousand. No, they're still alive they're still in their forms so that's our potential that we can be physically immortal and uh so if we can beat this cloth you know i can be around do you think that the anunnaki are still here oh yeah they're definitely still here yeah i've seen them 
I've talked to them. I've had meetings with them. And others have. What do they do? Like Lee Hill is up to, uh, uh, what was one of those uh, hippie fests in upstate New York a few years back. And he goes to this tent that was, uh, it was bigger inside than it was outside. It was one of those, they do that with ships too. You, you walk in and go, wait, this can't be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this isn't this, how physics yeah. works. This is helping. So he was in one of those, and he, he got introduced to several Anunnaki. One, one called himself Loki. I think it was Enki. And another said it was Barduk. And, the, you know, so he's had some, like, 3D at a, at a hippie fest in upstate New York uh, contact with extraterrestrials. I've met them um, both astrally and physically when I was in an underground installation. I know other people how. Um, so, yeah, Enki's still here. They all came back. A lot of them came back. You know, they can go back. That's what that coming and going is like. No big deal for them. You know, they have. A lot of people think that they don't have good agendas towards us. They they, they look at us as a resource. This is there's. It's just as complicated as humans. We have our Hitlers. We have our Jesuses. We have those that love humanity and those who just want to get rich and and use us for slaves. And so, I I interact with the light side of the force. I interact with the. The Enki, I'm uh, part of the Enki clan. My soul is part Enki clan. And of course, all of us genetically are part Enki clan. And Nima is the mother of humanity. Well, Literally, yeah, Enki's crazy. awesome. And, and and Enki's DNA goes through many of us. And, and he would like to come back and kind of reintroduce his DNA. Like, he likes to copulate with humans. So they're able to copulate and procreate. So we are the same species, right? You can't have physical offspring unless you're the same species. A dog can't mate with a cat. Yeah, that's the so Adon humans, right? The humans that were in Eden? That's the children of Enki, aren't they? If I remember correctly? Well, I'd like to experiment with genetics, but I'm talking about the, the ability for uh, two... Like a dog and a, a fox can have sex, but they can't create children. Yeah. Right? We can have sex with an Anunnaki and have children. And apparently, we can have sex with the Andrew, with the, uh, Bigfoot. And there's stories of... of people having children via mating with Bigfoot. With modern genetics, you could easily, you could create You could create cats. it in a lab, but I'm Absolutely. talking about just a physical population. And so there's something about physically mating and and being in an orgiastic state with somebody, and especially if you're in love, that brings forth uh, a soul that's a higher vibratory frequency and has a greater potential. So because we're going to have Anunnaki, to have an episode on Bigfoot now that you're talking about Bigfoot. One of these days. I'm not an expert on Bigfoot. We can, we can interject. We can, you know, talk about <laughs> Bigfoot. But um, one thing I was going to say that I was done. The, the other, okay, so I copulated. I don't know. I forgot my thought. Okay, that's all right. It'll come, on, it'll come back to me an hour from now when we're off the air. <laughs> like, what was I? <laughs> Bigfoot, Anunnaki, copulating... Oh, Enki and Nima. Enki wanted sons from Nima. He would have said, "Give me a son, give me a son." And she kept breeding, you know, girls. I mean, they could have just done things like we do now. We can, we can have a, a couple produce nothing but sons or nothing but daughters, but they didn't do any kind of intervention because there was something from the children resulted from authentic uh, copulation and the energy that's around that the love or the 
the sexual excitement. It brings in a different essence to the, the soul that comes into the body than if you were to genetically create things. That's why I think the greys, the, their children are weaker and their blood is vibrant and they, they probably don't have as much potential than if you were to achieve the same thing through quote unquote natural breeding practices of using sexual energy. So my understanding of the greys is that they can't really breed and that's why they abduct so many humans and uh, mess with our DNA. That's my understanding. Although I, I watched um, Taken by um, Steven Spielberg and I don't know why he had the alien that escaped from the Roswell craft go over and copulate with the... Did you ever see Taken by no. Spielberg? It's 20 I didn't watch it. It's I will. brilliant. It was made in 2000, 1999-2000. And so it was like a, uh, you know, Spielberg does his homework and he has, I forget the guy's name, there's like this writer. He's basically writing a feature movie every, a two hour feature movie every week. I don't know, whoever this writer was, was it was probably a pseudonym. He's probably somebody in the, the UFO field because he just knew all this stuff or it might have been an insider but it's brilliant so that takes you to the year 2000 um, and I wish Spielberg would do something more on that but he's he's busy with other projects he may have a, a gag order not to go any further we're not sure what's going on with all these people they're not sitting down to have a cup of tea with me to talk about this stuff <laughs> they're not going to spill the beans anytime soon Thank you for joining us. This is another episode of the Aquarian Radio Network, and we are simulcasting with Cryptic Chronicles, Tim Hacker. Uh, uh, we do hope you join us again another time, and much love and blessings and aloha. We will see you again soon. Bye, everybody. It was a blast. show. Gotta thank Dr. Sasha and Janet for that very fascinating discussion. And don't worry, I'm not even halfway done yet with my series covering Nephilim lore. But what Dr. Sasha said about the Anunnaki was a good sneak peek of a future episode that I'm going to cover Zachariah Sitchin's Anunnaki lore in full. Though... I'm going to have to summarize it for not only expediency, but also making it, I guess, an easily understandable narrative. I got some messages asking if I was going to have more episodes covering the Nephilim, so I guess I'd just clarify here to answer your questions if you were wondering the same thing and you just didn't know how to reach me. Anyway, I found Janet's alien encounters very interesting and honestly, really enjoyed both the hosts of the Aquarian Radio immensely. And I hope to have the honor of broadcasting with them many times to come. 
Aquarian Radio is available through the links that I have in the show notes, or found in pretty much the majority of podcast hubs, as well as Blog Talk Radio. Um, I personally subscribe to them on Spreaker, but you can also find a direct link to the show at uh, AquarianRadio.com, their website. So go check them out. Especially if you like alien and starseed stuff or ancient alien stuff with like a, a dash of metaphysics and spirituality. But before we come to a close, let's look at a couple of the comments real quick and uh, see what y'all got to say about the show. Valeria Rueda says, Get straight to the point. Funny side comments and throws in his opinion, which I love because sometimes it's a different opinion than mine. That gives me perspective. Sounds very intelligent. Speaks very clear. Huh, thanks. That's actually a really nice compliment. Thank you. And Cast Dis right here says, Organized and focused. I hate shows where the host thinks he can just randomly chat at us with no structure. This one's a keeper. Hey, thank you. So I'm just going to keep on quoting like, uh, I don't know, a couple of these comments every episode from now on or whatever. And uh, thanks for the comments. Please give me more feedback and criticism too, so that I can just make the show better and better. But before you go, listener, I want to, of course, thank my illustrious patrons, Leanna Watson, Stephanie Wilkie, Angie Allen, Kenny, Ashley, Megan Croswell, Paul, and Linda Gonzalez. And if you'd like to become one of the greatest badasses who ever lived by becoming a patron, simply go to crypticchronicles.com and click on the Chronicler's Vault. At just a buck a month, you get all kinds of good stuff. But blah, 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 blah. Let's get out of here, yeah? As always, thanks for listening to Cryptic Chronicles. I'm your host, Tim Hacker. And as the author of the Tao Te Ching once said, a good traveler has no fixed plans and is not intent on arriving. <laughs>